Welcome back to another episode of The DVO Show. I am your host, Derek Van Otten, a.k.a. DVO. And today I sit down with my good friend, Professor Rob Handley. Rob is the owner of Absolute MMA in West Jordan, Utah. It is one of the most premier MMA training facilities in the state. And we talk about a lot of fun topics, which includes my favorite topic, MMA. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the sport. I love watching fights. My wife Edna always joins me as well. We have a good time watching them. Rob has black belts in many martial art forms, plus he has trained some current UFC and MMA fighters that you watch. So this episode, he gives some input on some ideas, and then we also talk about the latest UFC pay-per-view, UFC 229, which featured the main event of Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov. So we get into that. It was it's a pretty fun episode. I hope you guys enjoy. All right. All right. That started. <clears throat> All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the DVO Show, and I'm here with the founder of Absolute MMA, Rob Hanley. How's it going, buddy? Good, good. How you doing? Doing good. So uh, I've been invited to go to a lot of gyms around the valley. Absolute MMA in West Jordan it is easily the best gym in Utah. Thank you. If Thank not you. the country, man. Thank you. I mean, it, it, it's a great gym. It's a great facility. The, the coaches are awesome, and, and I'm glad you gave us some time to come down here today. Of course. Anytime. Anytime. I, I love to... It's good to catch up with you. Good to see you and, and uh, you know, talk. Yeah, I, I, I trained there for a while, and, you know, I actually... I'll say I, I got invited to go to the UFC gym here in Utah, in sure, Sandy. Sure, sure, sure. <clears throat> and I trained there for a little bit. And to compare to Absolute MMA, it sucked. Uh, I mean, the equipment's cool, but the... I mean, it sucks, and it was a while ago. I'll say that, but but coming from Absolute and then going to to these other gyms, maybe maybe, maybe I should have went to Absolute first, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys got a great system out there. Yeah, you know, there's there's something there's something out there for everybody, and uh, getting in where you fit in is is important. Yeah, that's you know? true. Yeah. And obviously, when I when I went, we had, I had some friends there, and we we had a good time, man. It was a good time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was good. So so tell me, I want to know, and the people want to know. Your history with sure. MMA and how you got into MMA. Oh man, so I got into martial arts. Man, I, th- I want to say ninety-one. Yeah, wow, okay. somewhere in there. Um, I was already in um, involved somewhat in, with some boxing, um, and then I got into taekwondo and karate oh, nice. and jiu-jitsu and uh, later into judo and Muay Thai okay um, yeah long history long almost 30 years so what was it that like you, you just saw you saw something like you watched a Bruce Lee film or something I don't know well I was a fan I was okay. a fan <laughs> all, all my life I was a fan of martial arts movies you know okay I, I, I most like most kids in the 80s and early 90s you know like uh, Van Damme and right. Seagal and you know all those guys, yeah. but uh, you know of course you know Bruce Lee and and his influence and and he, believe it or not even like um, uh, the Last Dragon, oh, you so know just good. like old, yeah, oh, yeah. old karate oh, yeah. so in the eighties. So that was something that I was uh, uh, I always had interest in. I always thought it was really cool. 
Um, I never had a chance to really do it until I, I got out of high school. And, okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have a plan coming out of high school. I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to go play ball. I wasn't going to, you know, go to college. Okay. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was not making the right decisions, choices, and uh, I was definitely not the lifestyle. <laughs> um, and so I, I, a school opened up near my home, and uh, I just decided to check it out one day. Nice. And um, I sat outside. I don't know, I was maybe, I must have been 18. I sat outside and I watched these two guys practice. And... Was it an MMA gym? No, or was it a... no. MMA didn't exist back, right. back then. MMA was something that... Um, the term MMA didn't exist. That was called something different okay. back then. Um, NHB. But the, even that came later, too. That didn't come till you know, 93, 4, 5, when, right. when it started to pick so up. So the no-holds-bar and yeah, the, you, yeah, yeah. the first UFC started yeah. rolling out. Okay. Yeah, that was, see, the first UFC was 1993. Okay. Um, so November, November 93. Right. So, okay. Man. Were you like a fan instantly when it came out? Yes. Uh... Because I was already in the martial arts, I was already interested. I was already, I was already I found passion in the martial Good. arts. Uh, so it was really easy for me. Like I saw that, and I was like, "That's the coolest thing ever!" Right? You know. So it was a, it was a, an exciting time to be uh, involved in the martial arts back then. Um, you know, as it is today. I mean, it's awesome. So when you were getting into it, what was maybe your favorite art form? Uh, it, it's changed, it's oh, okay. changed, uh, through time, through time. Um, you know, when I, when I first started to, to get involved, I was, uh, working out with a friend of mine in his house. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and I put a heavy bag in his, his living room. Nice. <laughs> and he had, uh, some boxing experience. He, he was from New York. He, um, he trained on the, in the summers at the same gym. Uh, that Mike Tyson trained okay. at when he was a teenager. Um, so my friend Kyle Kyle Kuroplak was his name. Uh, Kyle Kyle was a, a a body man in a body shop. Okay. That I worked at, and so after work we'd go and he'd show me how to throw you know punches. Yeah, and, hit the bag. Yeah, a that bit. was awesome. That's that awesome. awesome. So my first influence was boxing. Okay. Yeah. And then changes. Uh, and then I st I started doing taekwondo. Okay. And nice. I, I found a lot of, um, like for me, you know, the majority of my sports, sporting fighting uh -huh. came from that. Um, I decided that, um, you know, I wanted to be competitive. And in Taekwondo, it's an Olympic sport. Yeah. So I was like, man, I could really do something with this. This oh, would be good cool idea. because yeah. I could I could train, I could fight, I could maybe be an Olympian, I could go to the Olympics, and and you know that was on my my radar. That's what I was really focusing on. And and I really pushed hard for that for a couple of years, and then I and then jujitsu, I got the jujitsu bug. And I love jujitsu. Yeah, me too. And uh, it came down to. 
I couldn't do both. It okay. was just so, at that time, at that time, it was so hard for me to go back and forth and still try to get 100%. Because this time it was still just one art form at a time, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause it was very intense in one form. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. And so, like, the UFC had really kicked off, and okay. jiu-jitsu was blowing up all around the country, and and uh, I was very fortunate. I, I, you know, I found a school, a jiu-jitsu school here in Salt Lake. Okay. That, um, you know, at that time there were only a couple of jiu-jitsu schools in the country. Okay. Like, like legitimate schools, and one of them happened to be here. So, man, I went and I signed up and I took my licks like everybody else. Right. You know, like maybe more than everybody else. Yeah. Because you know, I was the, <laughs> the big guy and I, I, I had some karate experience, some taekwondo experience. So everybody wanted to like beat me up all the time. Uh -huh. So You had to break in your sissy toes? <laughs> yeah, totally. 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 <laughs> That's funny because I remember I got that on my top of my toes. I got all this. Was it rash or yeah. heat rash or whatever? Oh no no no! It's like, it's like a it's like a it's like a called Matt Burn. Matt, yeah, Matt, Matt Burn, Burn, yeah, Matt Burn, yeah. So you're like, oh, you got breaking your sissy toes, man. Sissy. I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. Yeah. So you, and you got your black belt, right? Yeah, I I started training in '93, um, jujitsu, and then um, I got my black belt in 2003. Okay. 2003. And it's one of three now that I have. Wow. Um, you know, of course, that was a black belt in Taekwondo or in the early 90s. Wow. Um, I also received my black belt in Judo since. Um, I got my black belt in Jiu-Jitsu in 2003. So, oh, that's awesome. What's that? Almost 15 years as a black belt. Now. Yeah. So, what was it about Jiu-Jitsu that drew, drew you to it that you just fell in love with? Well, I had... I had a strategic disadvantage in Taekwondo. Okay. I was shorter and bigger than most of my competitors. All right. You know, the guys were really tall, skinny guys, and man, they were fast and they could reach me from a long distance away. Oh. And so I had to make up for that, you know, with speed and agility. And when you're a heavyweight, man, it's not, that, it's not the easiest thing. Right. You know? And so, um, then when I started doing jujitsu, it was like, it was like, this is something you can do whether you are tall or short or big or small or, you know, it didn't, yeah. and like those, those, those advantages in, in the striking aspect didn't exist in jujitsu. It was like, ah. it was like, and it's something that I took to naturally, you know, okay. grappling, wrestling, controlling, holding, you know, defending. And it was something that had challenged me, you know, yeah. emotionally and mentally too. Okay. So, jujitsu. I mean, I, when when I was training, jujitsu is is my favorite thing. Yeah. I, I think naturally, kind of, what people I hung out with naturally like boxing, kickboxing came natural, just street fighting. Yeah. It just came kind of came natural to me, yeah. but jujitsu was totally different, and it sure. was and it was it was fun, and you can. One thing that you trained me that I really liked is is because I'm a bigger guy too. I can sure. how to use my weight. Yeah, and I can just pin somebody and hold someone and do something, and, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I remember when I was training my my brother. Uh, he said, "Oh yeah, let, let's see." Uh, he's kind of teasing me a little bit. Said, so, well, "Let's see what you got." I said, "Well, shoot for my legs." 
And he did. I instantly put him in a Peruvian necktie. <laughs> and he was like, all right, all right, all right. And I was like, oh, that works. It's awesome. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. So hey, cool. nothing like brotherly love. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to test it out? I said, Let's, I'll show you. Yeah, that's right. So what do you remember about like the first like intros in the UFC? Like The Gracies were big. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you always hear it now called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but there's different forms of Jiu-Jitsu. What were you training in? Sure, sure, sure. Well, the 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 deviation in terminology could just comes from, you know, when the Gracie family came to the United States. Uh-huh. You know, they were very strict about you know who could use the name Gracie and who couldn't use okay. the name Gracie. So, so we had that. He had even people in the family who 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 were using Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a term for for Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, and, and, and even in all my time and travels to Brazil, I never heard someone say, uh, in Brazil, I never heard anyone say Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu okay. or Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. I right. only heard people refer to Jiu-Jitsu as Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. There. Um, so that was something that, that in the United States it differentiated the Gracie family from everybody else. This is what we do, and this is what we have control over, and that's right. our name. And then Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, is, you know, just kind of what people started to use to differentiate the style from Brazil versus the style from Japan. Japan. You know? Yeah. Because um, you could say Jiu-Jitsu at the time, Okay. And it could mean anything. All right. You know, it could mean it could mean, you know, Japanese jujitsu. It could mean, you know, there are several. Well, there are probably dozens of different types of jujitsu okay. in the world. Gracie just the word Gracie defines this specific uh, family style okay. for Brazil. All right. So that's pretty. All right. That's pretty. Cool. Yeah. And and my current teacher. Um, is a grandmaster, ninth degree grandmaster. Wow. Um, he was a, a personal student of Elio Gracie and Carlos Gracie. Okay. Um, his father was friends with them, and he started training with Elio and, and Carlos in 1947. Oh shit! Wow. And he's still practicing today. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. you have him come down to Salt Lake a lot too. A couple times a year. Yeah. Yeah. He comes. He spends some time in my house and. We, I, I get to, to learn, you know, directly from the source, and that's so awesome. It's amazing. It's amazing. He's such a, a well-traveled, educated man. He speaks five languages. Oh wow! Um, it's amazing. He's an amazing person. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And, and what made you decide? Hey, you know, what? I want to, I want to open up a gym too. Um, I for a lot of years worked. As an assistant in a in a local school here, okay, uh, with my with one of my teachers, um, so I, I got into the idea and the lifestyle of you know l- working in the gym. Um, it wasn't until later on that I I decided that I I wasn't making a whole lot of money, and okay, and I had to you know I was like at that time I was kind of I was I don't know must have been twenty seven twenty eight and. I decided that I needed to um, do something else. I needed okay. to, like, you know, like you get to be like 27, 28, and everyone's just starting their careers, starting to, you know, settle down, start their careers, making money, having families, uh-huh. you know, and I was like almost you know, looking at 30 going, man, what am I going to do? 
and uh, I ended up going to work for a brokerage firm. Okay. You know? Interesting. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to work for a brokerage firm. I worked, you know, two or three years on the on the uh, in the stock market. Okay. Um, did I mean really well with right. what I was doing? Um, but I was never in love with it. All right. And it took me away from what I wanted to do. What I wanted to do was I wanted to be in the gym. I wanted to be training. I wanted to okay. be around my friends. And uh, so I, after like two or three years, and you know, I was a national, uh, um, you know, I like won a bunch of national awards like for, for my, de- my department. Okay. I was really successful at what I was doing, but I just wasn't happy. Got it. I wasn't happy. And, uh... I you had was, a bug telling you that yeah, you need to go back to the gym. Yeah, well, I just got to do something. And so I decided to leave. Uh, and then I decided, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna start small. Okay. I'm going to start small. I'm going to do something. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't had, had no idea what I was getting into. I was just kind of like... I had seen so many of my friends around the country. Yeah. Um being successful at blue belt and purple belt teaching jujitsu. Okay. I thought, man, well, if those guys are doing it. Right. I mean, and I'm senior to those guys. Well, why can't I do it? Exactly. So I decided to, so I decided to jump all in. Nice. You know, and that was 2001. Okay. 2001 that I started that process. And, uh, man, here we are today. Almost so 20 awesome, years man. later, you know. And, you know, so so my my friend Sean, he started training. Then he got me and a couple other friends over there too, because we I mean, we fell in love with it, because we were always MMA fans. And uh, it was cool because when I was in there, I was seeing UFC fighters. Yeah. And he was telling me, <laughs> you know, because he would travel with you sometimes, and you go to events, and yeah. he says, Rob like knows everybody at the UFC events. Everyone's talking to you. You've trained some UFC fighters. You've cornered fighters. Who? You shout them out. Who, who have you cornered? Well, who have you trained? I will say this because I have to. I have to take the opportunity to give credit to one one person. Um, when I was, let's see, it had to have been somewhere in the nineties, ninety six, seven, eight, nine. I can't remember exactly when, but there was one fighter. Okay. Who, um, I think he was in UFC three, four, five. I can't remember. All right, I'd, ha- I'd have to double check. I'd have to, but he was early. He was a guy who was in, involved early on, and he was coming out here from Canada to train with us. Okay, and um, a friend of ours was a friend of his, and he was traveling to train with us. His name was Dave Dangerous Dave Benito. Okay, Dangerous Dave Benito. And Dave and I were training partners. He was a heavy, I was a heavy, so we were always working out together. And one day, Dave and I were traveling to Provo, because our our training that night was in Provo. Dave and I were driving down there, and Dave said to me, he's like, well, what are you gonna do with this? What are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna do? And I said, yeah, you know, there's, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know okay. where I want to go. I don't know what I want to do. And he's like, there's a, I, there's, you know, the opportunities are starting to open up for people to fight. Pe- opportunities are open up for people to get more involved. And I, I said, I don't know. I kind of, I really want to like get more involved in coaching. And he looked at me. Interesting. He's in the UFC. This is early, right. early UFCs. 
And he looked at me and he's like, Rob, do it. 100% do it. Because there aren't that many guys out there coaching okay. that have that have right. real experience. Like they have like knowledge in all these arts and all, and all this, this stuff. And he's like, if that's what you enjoy and if that's what you love, then that's what you should do. Exactly. Fighter, this is his words, his words, this was his words to me that day. He said, fighters are dime a dozen. There's yes. always gonna be fighters. Right. Because fighters are always gonna be available. They're always gonna, but there aren't gonna be that many coaches. That's and this true. is, you know, this is like early on in the 90s, you know? Yeah. And so I heard that and I was, I was like, man, I yeah, okay, you know what? That's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to head. That's what I'm going to look for. Nice. And so at that point, like, I submerged myself my whole life in all martial arts. Wrestling, judo, jiu-jitsu, boxing, kickboxing. Man, if, I was, if it was to be studied, yeah. I'm studying it. I'm I studying. Like that. Uh, and I, then, I, you know, just like uh, um, I had some influence uh, early on as well from some friends of mine that were... Um, playing in the NFL, right? Okay. And, you know, those guys work eight hours a day. Oh, yeah. Every day. Yeah. You know, the, between practice and media and films and and film study and coaches meetings and, and position meetings and all this, all this stuff that happens. And one of my friends um, that was playing for the, the Tennessee Titans at the time, he said to me, he's like, you should really start to look at film and study the trends and study okay. the successes of all these guys. Okay. Who's doing things good? Who's doing things, you know, who's winning, who's losing? Why are they winning? Why are they losing? And like really start to strategize uh, and look at the tactical part, not just the technical part, because that's what I was, al I was already uh, consumed by okay. the technical part. Sure, yeah. You know? And uh, he's like, man, you should really look at the strategic and the tactical part. And it, and man, like it changed my life, you know. Like all right. of a sudden, like I'm looking at it from a completely different perspective. Oh, that's good. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. So I had a lot of I had a lot of influence from really uh, influential people early on that kind of set me on my path. You know? uh -huh. uh, Dave Benito, I have to give credit to because man, he he he's the one that that gave me the confidence to be a coach, to be a teacher. Um, I, I just kind of assumed that, you know, as involved as I was, I would probably teach. Right. You know, teach. But yeah. I didn't really have, like, the desire to coach. Okay. Different. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. And uh, he's the one that put that bug in my ear. Oh, you know? good. So that was early, early on, early on. Um, and then it wasn't until later, you know, mid two thousand. Gosh, I can't even remember. Five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Um, you know, we had at that time. You know, we had uh, Court Court McGee was just starting his career. Um, uh -huh. Josh Berkman was in his career. Yep. Um, we had uh, a couple of guys to kind of come and go. Uh, there were local guys that also had you know one or one or two fights yeah. in the UFC. Um, <clears throat> Josh brought in uh, Evan Tanner, oh, yeah. who was a yeah. former uh, middleweight champion and yep. was making his comeback. And uh, we were involved in a couple of his camps. He, right. he, he would come to train with Josh and 
Josh would bring him in to to uh, work out with us. And Dude, that guy was a scrapper. Yeah, it was good. He was great. Yeah, yeah. Right, rest in peace, Evan. Uh, really good. Really good. Yeah. What a great message, you know, to get people to to believe in themselves and believe in what yeah. they're, what they're capable of doing. He left it. He left an awesome imprint. Oh yeah. On, on a lot of people. Uh, because he was such a celebrity, you know, Every, oh, yeah. everybody knew who he was. Um, and he had such great advice for the young fighters, the young guys. Yeah. Um, guys like Ben Fuyamano. Okay. Guys like Steve and Sharp. Right. You know, local kids. Yeah. That, local guys that, that were coming up. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was good. It was a good time. It yeah, was a yeah. hard time. Yeah. But it was a good time, you know, for, for, for fighting and, and MMA in Utah and, and even just just for our team, yeah, that was cool. I mean, I ro- rolling around with, with Josh Berkman a few times. And yeah, that was, and that was, that was just an awesome experience. And yeah, and and to see that, and, and it's like you were just saying. Now you're training Court McGee. Yeah, he's got a fight coming up this month in October. October twenty seventh. Where's that main event at? It's uh, that fight is is uh in, in a in the East Coast. It's uh it's the same night that Anthony Smith fights. Um, it's in New Brunswick. I, I can't even say the name. I, I don't know the other guy's name. Just, yeah. Just Vol- I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> yeah. O- Oldemir. Oldemir? Is it Oldemir? Yeah. Vulcan Oldemir? Yeah. I think so. I can't I remember. remember. But it's the Anthony Smith card. So Lionheart. Lionheart. And, and uh, we've actually had the opportunity to, to uh, fight uh, Anthony. Uh, one of the guys uh, fought oh, okay. Anthony in... Um, Oh boy, what was that show? It's now, it's now uh, LFA. Uh, League of Professional. Oh I can't remember what yeah. it is now, but anyway, uh, Brock Jardine. Brock Jardine fought Anthony in uh, Nebraska. Okay. And so I'm, I've I've been watching his oh, return yeah. to the UFC since then. He's doing really good. Yeah, he is really really good. He's doing amazing. That's good. I mean, Court McGee has got an awesome story of how he got oh, into man. MMA and. Fighting his his demons and yeah yeah court is a I I describe court as a powerful human being yeah um, and and not he's strong yes yeah but his soul his soul is powerful his right. his being is powerful what he stands for is powerful for sure he he, he is one of my most favorite people of all time. Yeah, all time. I mean, I, I watched him on the Ultimate Fighter, and that was my first introduction to yeah. him. Mm-hmm. And you could just tell, just a solid guy, just down to earth, big heart, heart of gold, actually, yeah. and just those fighting. And then, so tell me, I mean, I think we're, I think we just had like the two year anniversary of UFC's first visit to Utah, where he was on that. Has it been two? One year? When? Gosh, I, you know, I don't know. It's like, I think it's two. I think we just had two. It's been that like two night, years, I think. What? Oh man. Oof. I mean, tell me about it. Give me the chills. Yeah, because we tell me that it was like UFC first time wow. in Utah, and you know, we, I, me, and my friends, we got front row seats, and we were like, we were, we were, I mean, we were stoked about it. And then there you are, cornering head yeah, coach, yeah. here in home. Yeah. What's first, that whole experience oh, like? Oh man, it gives me the chills thinking about it. But I'm I, anyway. It was so awesome. Uh, <clears throat> what a what an amazing e- evening, uh, and the whole week leading up to it. Um, you know, I, I I grew up in Utah. 
I, I grew up uh, a Utah Jazz fan. Okay. I grew up, you know, around a time when, 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 you know, it was not uncommon for the Utah Jazz to be like one of the top teams yeah. in the league. Stockton to Malone. Yeah, yeah. And um, being inside Nether Now Delta Center, or the uh, energy... Now it's Vivint Smart Home Arena. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. They change it. That's look, right. But in the prime, it was the Delta that's Center. Right, that's right. That's right. Uh, and, and, you know, like, being backstage, being uh, in, you know, the locker rooms, yeah. and being, like, seeing, like, their names on the walls. and Oh, cool. You know, for me as a kid, that was, like... Man, that was something I never imagined. Yeah, you know, growing up as a kid, you never imagined that one day you'd be, you know, there, and uh, so that that part was cool, uh, really cool. Um, the event itself uh, was something special um, because. Court was the only local on the card. Right. Which I was surprised of. Yeah, but. yeah. Well, I think a couple of the guys, the local guys who were contracted at the time, had fought in the weeks prior. Like, yeah. just barely earlier. And I know, like, some people were in just coming off of injuries. Sure. Too. I think, like, Berkman had a nose yeah, uh, some surgery or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, f for Court to be on the card and to get a spot at home, man... The energy in the room. Oh yeah. The energy at the in the cage. Just like I was standing five feet away from him, listening to his his speech with, um, or his, sorry, his interview with Joe Rogan. Yeah. Or my uh, whoever it was, I can't even remember. My if it was Joe, if it was Anik, if it was uh, if it was Martinez. Ah, I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. remember. But I remember standing in the cage. Five feet away, and it was so loud. Yeah, so loud that I can't even hear what Court's saying. Oh, that's awesome. You know, like the fans, the Utah fans were amazing. The and crowd was so loud. It was. It it, it was loud. Yeah. I mean, he dominated yeah. the other fighter. I mean, he just smothered him, uh -huh. and grinded him on the fence, and just dirty boxed him. And yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it was good. It it's it in that fight specifically. We had um, worked on keeping him away at distance, uh -huh. cutting angles, okay, striking and moving, not getting caught up in a in a, a, a power punching situation on the inside because that's what his opponent Dominic Steele was his opponent. Uh -huh. Super powerful wrestler. Super powerful, you know, one-two kind of thing. Yeah. And so we wanted to stay away from that. And uh, in the first five, ten seconds of the fight, Court jabs low, crosses high, and clocks this guy. Right. Hard. And knocks the guy down uh -huh. in the first ten seconds of the fight. S jumps on top of him, does some more damage. And they get back to their feet, and there's an exchange. And then and everything we trained changed at that moment. Okay. Everything changed at that moment. <laughs> and that's one of the cool things about these, these, this type of fighting and these styles is, like, anything can happen at any time, and anything can change. You can have a plan, 
but it can change. Right. You can have uh, a direction of how you think it's going to happen, and it can change. And if you're not prepared for that change, or that audible, uh-huh. that call that says, "Okay, you know what? I got to change now and go this direction. I got to change and go that direction." Right? You know, something that 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 kind of stuff has to happen early on. Uh huh. That's not something that you can do overnight. You have to be sure, yeah. Tra- training those things and drilling those things and being prepared for those things far, far out so that when the time comes, you're on, go. Yeah, muscle, brain, memory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and at that moment, uh, Court hyperextended his elbow. Okay. And his elbow was tight, sore. And he changed at that moment, and he out-wrestled and out-grinded the wrestler. Ah. So what happened was Court changed his game plan, which made his opponent change his game plan. So they're both trying, in the beginning, they're both trying to impose their, 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 their wills yeah. of the opponent on each other, right? Court was first. Court hit him, boom. They went down, boom. They were grappling. Striking, and then all of a sudden, like, Court's like, "Man, I got this. Yeah. This guy's strong, but I got this." And Court turned it into a dirty boxing wrestling game at that point. Yeah, which we assume we don't know, but we assume that that's probably his opponent's original plan. Ah, get in there, get on top of him, control him, dirty box. You know, because yeah. that's what we had seen in, in fi- other fights past. Okay, um, so we were we were prepared for that, but then Court's like. I'm going back to doing what I do best. Boom. And he shoulders in and he nails that guy. Yeah. And then he just controlled the rest of the fight and dominant control, right? Yeah. That, you know, and it's, I want to say, I want to say that it was the first time his two sons had actually been in the the arena, uh, in the arena with, um, his wife. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, his wife and his father go to all of his fights. Okay. Um, but I want to say it was the first time his sons had actually been. That's awesome. So, like, I, I just remember us, like, doing a loop. And I, I, I want to say we went back to find them in the, in, outside the cage. Okay. You know? High high five and everybody and the crowd's gone wild. And everybody we know. Yeah. You know, in the community, MMA community, in the martial arts community. People just from from around town. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's high fiving him, you know, just giving him big hugs, and and uh, it was awesome. Such an awesome experience. It was awesome. I mean, tell me why you think it took so long for UFC to come to Utah, and why they haven't come back. And do you think they'll come back? Well, there, there's always been they've 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 always talked about coming. Uh-huh. You know, there's always been oh, we're gonna do a show, we're gonna do a show. Oh, we're gonna do a show, but it's gonna be on a Sunday. Yeah, I remember hearing that, that one, one got canceled. Yeah, that one got canceled. I remember that one. There wasn't a big ticket push. The next one, right? So, what you're seeing now is the big pay-per-view events. Yes, are generally in big stadium type style arenas. Yes, like um, Madison, like yeah, uh, the Square Garden, the the T-Mobile Arena. Yes, um, big arenas, you know. And then you're seeing like the Fox Sports One uh-huh. stuff, where it's like might be, might be a big arena, but could be something smaller, you know. So, with the way they've contracted 
the, the television shows, the television um, events, plus the pay-per-view events. You know, they're looking for, constantly looking for the next place yeah. to hold a show, you know? True. And they're trying to, you know, obviously break into different markets. They're trying to to test, you know, where they're at. And, and I mean, they're brilliant. They're smart. They know what they're doing. Yeah. You know? oh, There's yeah. a reason why they've been so successful. Why they turned a four a four billion dollar industry into an eight billion dollar yeah. you know like or value whatever the case may be um but yeah like there was talk and then they shut that down and there's and so they've been they've been talking about coming back ever since good you know so i mean i hope they do i mean it's it's always a great time. So. Yeah. I know Vegas is not too far away from us, but still, yeah. it's nice it's in your backyard and yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you get to go. And I remember me and Sean were talking like during the prelims, it wasn't very packed. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not usually. Sure. But like, man, but it's the first event in Utah. We should have, I wish more people had packed it out so they could see, oh man, there's a big crowd here. Yeah. Big, big fan base that we should come back to. So, I mean, that was just our opinion anyway. No, but. right. Yeah. You know, like uh, fans. Fans, fans are funny sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> fans think they're experts sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the main event we just had a uh, pay per view this this past weekend, Habib versus. Oh Peter yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh. so I mean, it was a it was a great card from um, from the first fight, Karate Hottie, Fleece Herrick. Yes. To, to the to the main event, and yes. And I'll, I'll tell you kind of what I was impressed with, and you, yeah. you, then you kind of give me some ideas you had from it. But sure. I was impressed with. The beast, the black beast. Derek Lewis? Derek Lewis. He was getting his ass kicked all fight. You know, that's, you know, that's something that uh, we talk about all the time. You, you know, you're never out of the fight. Right. Never out of the fight. No matter how bad it gets. Uh, um, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how much you're down, you're never out of the fight. Um, and that was something that I, I took from Marcus Luttrell. Yeah, okay. uh, Marcus Luttrell used those words, and I've used those words ever since. I heard, I heard that from him. Uh, you're never out of the fight. I like that. Um, never out of the fight. Man, Ooh. what was it, 15 seconds? Yeah. The uh -huh. last 15 seconds yeah. of the fight. He just threw an overhand right. Yeah. And it landed on the button. Yep. yep. You never give up. You fight to the very last bell, and you fight till the referee says stop. That's just. I was you know, so impressed. A lot of heart. I mean, first of all, I mean, you think about that he's getting his ass kicked all fight, but that told me he's got a big chin. Yeah. You know, he can take it. Yeah. And then he knew he still had that power. I mean, he was wind. You could tell he was winded. He just knew he still had that right loaded at any time. Yeah. That he could throw it, and he and he landed it. Oh man. So I I, I was really impressed with that fight. Yeah. What, what anything else? To that's ask what you? makes that. So that's what makes a lot of this fighting is dangerous like because you can get hit yeah. by that one shot man you can get clipped pretty quick and it can change it can change your night you know it can uh -huh. change your in this case it can change your life you know like he'd be like, right that guy, man he's on he's, he's 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 on his way you know he's doing good things yeah for sure anything else you, you really liked about the the card um tony ferguson yeah. Tony Ferguson and... Um, Pettis. Pettis. Were you worried that Tony was coming off too early from the injury? No. No. Okay. 
Um, only because I've seen guys come back from injuries. Okay. Court, court is one of those guys. Yeah. I've seen Court come back off of injuries and fight uh, a couple times now. And uh, nobody's taking fights that they don't, especially at that level, that they don't right. think that they're makes ready sense. for. You know? Okay. Um, Tony battled back. Tony came back, and Tony battled back to where he is today. What do you think about Tony using some of uh, Pettis' Showtime moves? Yeah, he jumping off the cage. Jumping off the cage, trying <laughs> to kick off the cage. <laughs> I thought it was funny the first time. The second time, I was like, all right, all yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still funny, though. Yeah. Well, I think, like, I think there was a point in that fight where everyone was, like, wondering, who's bleeding? Where yeah. is all this blood That's coming what I was, from? I was thinking that too. Is Tony cut? Is is Tony Anthony got cut? knocked down? Yes. Yeah. So like all this blood and nobody's like, well, where does it, who's bleeding? You know, it was you know trying to get yeah. the, you know yeah we were doing that too doing the angle I'm like man and then Anthony popped his head up and you could see it right you know big yeah. cut yeah, on his big gash yeah and it was not just dripping but spraying yeah you know so like that's that's a that's a tough head wounds are tough. Yeah, he got those. Tony's got those razor elbows. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. throws them. Yeah, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed that fight. I really enjoyed um, Duke Rufus is an amazing coach. Yeah, Duke Rufus is an amazing coach, and um, I'm glad that they were in his corner, listening to that because there are. There is a responsibility to care for your fighter. Yeah. There is a responsibility to to, you know, put them first, their safety yeah. first. And um, too often do we see guys, you know, being pushed back in and they're not they're, they they can't right. continue. Because you know? some people were giving were criticizing Pettis saying well, he pushed out and Yeah. But man, you can't throw a broken hand, though. Or you shouldn't throw a broken hand. Yeah, everybody's like, whoa, Uriah Faber broke both his hands. Uh-huh. You know, and he still fought. Well, okay, still. But there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. There's so much, you know, there's so much that goes into it. And every case is different. And what those guys have, Sir Anthony and, and Duke, what those guys have is, as coach and athlete and friend and yeah father figure almost yeah though though they have you know like there's a point where like you have to be comfortable making that decision it's true you know and that doesn't matter who you are i mean if you're in someone's corner you have to be comfortable making that decision and and i stand by that decision because uh that was okay his choice you know yeah. like, like duke's looking out for his fighter he's looking out for his athlete and coaches and, and are oftentimes that check and that balance. They're the ones yeah. that are like, okay, you know what? The fighter wants to go, but we, maybe we need to pull back or, you know, and vice versa. And like, you know, like. Ooh, so let's rewind then yeah. you know, to Raquel Pennington. That was, oh. a, that was a big thing where she wanted to quit and the coaches were like, no, like, come on, you can do this. Put the kind of pushed her back in. And then, you know, she got dominated in that round and lost. How, how do you look at that? Because Raquel wasn't blaming her coaches, but no. a lot of people were. Yeah, I, I remember seeing and hearing that. Um, Raquel Pennington, Amanda Nunes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that fight was very one-sided to begin with. Right. 
Raquel Pennington took a ton of damage. Yes. Between the fourth and the fifth round, she came uh -huh. back and she said, I'm done. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's, you know, two ways to look at that. One is, is she's right and they need to respect that. Yeah. She had taken, already taken so much damage that, right. that you have to like, you have to listen to that. Yeah. You, know, you have to be, there's that. And then there's the, the other side where it's like, you got one more round, you still got a chance. Yeah, this is for the belt. Still got a chance. Yeah. You still got a chance and you still might be able to get that one punch knockout. Right. You know, you might be able to be like like Derek Lewis and knock yeah. someone out in the last 15 seconds. So there's, there's, there's that true. side of it, right? Um, however, I... If Ra I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah. So if, if Raquel Pennington wouldn't okay. have taken so much damage, okay, I could maybe see the coaches stand. Yeah, you know, I could like, maybe don't see quit. It. You can give but a chance. Yeah, she had taken so much damage in that fight, and then she said, "I am done. I don't want to go back out there." Yeah, she looked exhausted. That's the coach's responsibility. Okay. Stop the fight. Stop the fight. That makes sense. I like that. Good. And, and I like that you, see, you saw both sides, too. I, I, like I do see both sides. Yeah. However, the damage that she took way, speaks way more volume to yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. Um, because, again, what our job is in the corner is to protect the fighter's safety. That's true. You know, we're there for them. Um, it's not about the coaches at that point. That's about the fighter in the cage doing that. That's why not everybody can be a coach. Right. Not everybody can be a corner man. I, I have seen corner man in, in 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 shows where I'm like, I wouldn't want that person making the call for me. Okay. You know, I wouldn't want that person, you know, they don't know what they're doing. Right. You know, so Maybe it may make sense. Yeah, in this case, like you have to make that call. You have to make that prof professional decision. That's true. Uh, for the safety of all. For the, for yeah, safety for the safety. All. Now, the main event, Connor versus Habib, it kind of went the way I thought it was going to go. Yeah. It yeah. was just going to be yeah. um, Habib kind of taking him down and just kind of grinding on him and laying on him and just hitting him. and Mauling him. Yeah, just maul him and just exhaust him out. And that's exactly what happened. Did it go the way you thought it would go? Yeah, you know, when I, when I looked at that, uh, and I'll give, this is some insight to like strategy Okay. Tactic, oh, good. Like the strategy tactical part that I was talking about earlier. Um, when I when we look at fights, we say, okay, you know, advantages, disadvantages, strengths, weaknesses. You know, yeah. those are all things. So we look at, you know, who has the striking advantage. Maybe Connor. Maybe Connor. Connor yeah. Right. Who has the wrestling advantage? Easily Habib. Easily Habib. Who has the who has the jujitsu? Probably Habib. Yeah. So if you broke it down into three categories, striking, wrestling, just meaning grappling yeah. from the feet, and then you know grappling from the ground. Connor may have the striking advantage. Right. Habib may have the wrestling and the jujitsu advantage. Yeah. Who has the conditioning advantage? Habib. 
<laughs> you know what I'm yeah. So like there. So like so, so. I like that. I like how you just broke all that down, though. Yeah. Okay. So like like when you look at it that way, you be like, okay, four categories out of three out of four yeah. categories have Habib has got the advantage. But with striking, you can't ever, you can't ever minimize striking. Just like you can't ever minimize jujitsu because you okay. can submit someone and end the fight. You can knock someone out and end the fight. Those are the X factors, right? Right. The finishers. How do we finish fights? Knockouts, submissions. Okay. Refs, refs uh, intervention. Okay. Right? And um, those X factors, okay. you know, are stuff that we have to look at. Um, Habib has, I don't know, what is it, 20 something, seven, six, 27? Now 27. 27 fights. 27 fights. Undefeated. Never lost a round. They, they say he might have lost one round this weekend, but never lost a round before, though. Gosh, man. I mean, like, that's... Pretty dominant. <laughs> super dominant. Super, super dominant. Um, so that's the way I looked at it going in. Dude, I like that. I, I not, think... not, not being, like, biased to, like, the fan perspective of, you know, Connor and his persona his image or Habib and his his cultural his uh, persona and his yeah just being like just being honest with the 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 statistics and the facts you know yeah that's good I don't think I'm gonna look at fights the same now I'm really gonna analyze it this way now it's easy good it's an easy way to do it I like that you know it's like you know you can look at some people look at you know reach and height and you know like sometimes that doesn't always tell a tale yeah so and obviously, it ended differently where Habib didn't get strapped. You know, yeah. he, he didn't get his name called and his hand raised. A little melee broke out. <laughs> so, so, I, I, whatever happened after the fight uh -huh. is under the jurisdiction of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Yeah. They yeah. will hand out their penalties and they were fine. Because it was a sanctioned fight. Yes. They will handle that. They will handle that well. Yeah, you know, there will be some fines. There'll be some, uh, most likely, be some suspensions. You know, like they will handle that. The UFC's job on that night uh -huh. is simply to to start is to to get people there, put on the show, and present their champions with yes. their belts. Because the belts aren't regulated by the athletic commission. Right, the belts are regulated by the UFC. So. The UFC, I think, should have given him his belt. Oh, but the crowd and the the Russian fans, the Irish fans, yeah. the you know, you know, we'll start it. We'll start a, a riot. Well, oh man, <laughs> I mean, it was it was very unlike Habib yeah. to do what he did. But obviously, he did get in his head. It got personal. And sure, one of sure. one of Connor's corner men were beckoning yeah. him on. Yeah. And, <laughs> I didn't think he would do that, but for me, I didn't really think it was. Because for me, I didn't think it was a big deal. I was like, all right, you know, he's caught in the moment, you know. Yeah. It kind of happens, and yeah. And, and like you said, I know people are comparing it to Connor. I'm like, well, that was a, a New York City yeah. had to handle that. This is going to be the Nevada Athletic Commission is going to handle this. It's just two different yeah. entities handling it, you know. Well, when they started, when they started advertising and publicizing and marketing the New York event and what happened as part of the as part this, of the promotion oh yeah. for this it, I, 
I wasn't a fan of that to begin with. Yeah, you told me I, that you didn't like that. I didn't yeah. like that. That was something that like I didn't think that that was the right thing. Like, like we're getting so far past the discipline or yeah, the yeah. As a martial arts. artist, yeah. as a martial artist, I don't care for that side sure. of things. It doesn't interest me. I don't think it's. I don't like it, and that's just not my thing. I get you, but I, mean, I, yeah. I but when two guys when two guys face each other and they're like respectful and they show uh, the coaches respect and they show the fighters respect, they show the fans respect, and they act as professionals. And yeah. I love that. Like, that's me one too, of my yeah, favorite me too. things. Me know? too. Is if you look at like there's some videos circulating of Habib in his prior fights. Okay. He, he's the first guy to give his opponent a hug. Right. He's the first person to show the coach other coaches respect. Yeah. He's the first person to like shake people's hands and right. and that comes from his martial arts background, from his father's discipline yeah. as, a, as a child and, and as a teenager and just the way they conduct themselves. Right. So what had to get under his skin? To make him want to I know. It got really personal. It got yeah. really personal. And that's what he said. You don't talk about family. You don't talk about religion. religion. You don't talk about country. Yeah. You know, like, did you, see the, did you see the video where he's punching him in the face? And he's saying, let's talk. Oh, you're good. Let's talk. Talk now. Oh, no. I didn't yeah. see that. So there's a video oh, circulating right now where uh, Habib's on top. <laughs> They're on the ground and ground and pound. And he's talking to Connor. And and the bell rings. They stand up, and Connor says to Habib, "It's just business." It's just business. I heard that one. Yeah, it's that just one I heard. Business. So it's in that video where Habib's talking to him. And oh, punching. I didn't see that part. That's that's interesting. Yeah, let's talk now. Crack. Yeah. Crack. Oh, you want to talk? Crack. Yeah, that was you part know? of the ten eight round. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not a fan of that whole drama stuff. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of funny, the, the, the melee at the end. And yeah. I kind of was like, all right, cool, that's, that's fun. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. yeah, a lot of people are freaking out about it. A lot yeah. of people are upset about it. A lot of people are disappointed in it. And right. a lot of people just are like, oh, whatever, you know, it's sports, it's fans. It, yeah, it's, just get wrapped up in the moment. Yes, you know? yes, yes, it's sports now. It's I mean, no I played longer, a sport and I got, smarts. I took, maybe took a little bit too far afterwards. I yeah. got upset and I was like, sorry, just the moment. Yeah. Just. Yeah, it just totally. happens. Lack of judgment. But yeah, totally. Got a question for you? Would you ever wrestle a bear? Yeah, what makes you think I have it? Oh, big grizzly! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good footage with Khabib's little kid. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, no, no, but uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely. That would definitely. <laughs> That took some guts, huh? Yeah. For the parents to put the kid in there. Hey, take on this bear. (laughs) That was funny. Well, Rob, man, thanks for coming, man. I really appreciate it, brother. Anytime. It's a pleasure. You you guys got to check out AbsoluteMMA.com. Yes. On Instagram, Facebook. Yes. AbsoluteMMA. West Jordan, Utah. West Jordan, Utah is the the best gym, you guys. You guys got to check it out. So thanks for coming down, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you guys next time. Awesome.